0: Let's pray. Father, tonight we give you praise for the work that you do in the lives of your people. Thank you for the testimony. Thank you, Lord, that this group of young men and women were able to make an impact in the lives of people that they met in Los Angeles. We thank you, Father, that you're training up a generation of people who have a passion for the gospel, who have a passion for people, we give you praise for that. We praise praise you tonight for your word, and I pray that in the time we have left, that that we would take your word, that we would that we would digest it and get revelation from it. You promised us that your word is life, and tonight we want to connect with the life that comes from your word. We give you thanks, Father, tonight in Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Praise God. Let me just um, get to our text. how's that? It takes boldness to preach the gospel. You know, it's it's easy err sometimes to go to a place that you don't live, and to preach the gospel to people that you will never see again. It's kind of like when you go to the hotel in a town and so you're not afraid to wear whatever bathing suit it is because you'll never see them again. It won't matter. (laughs) But it's important that we learn to be bold in our faith, bold in what we say, uh, finding the right words um, to represent God in all the situations. And I love it when kids go on mission trips, when grown-ups go on mission trips, and someone trains them how to speak the word, how to preach the gospel without being offensive, even though the gospel itself is sometimes offended, offensive, because the scripture says it's like the smell of life to some, but it's the fragrance of death to others. Um, but it's important that people learn how to, to just share their faith and, and to speak the word of God. We need to be bold. We need not to be afraid. America needs Christians to not be afraid to be Christians. Not to be offensive and not to be religious. Religion is an enemy of Christianity. Do you realize that? Yeah. Uh, but, but, but a relationship, a real relationship with Jesus Christ that is, that is articulated by people who love the Lord with all their hearts is what America needs. We don't need, we don't need to be yelling at people. We need to be preaching the good news. The word gospel means good news. The gospel isn't saying you're going to hell. The gospel is saying you don't have to go to hell. You don't have to go there. Sometimes Christians, this is off my subject, but I've got to say it. Sometimes Christians are like, one time Tammy and I went to the grocery store, and this lady, was a sweet lady, was giving away free samples of something. And she, we walked in, and she asked if we wanted a free sample, and I can't remember if we took it or not. We left, and this couple came in behind us. They were young. They might have been, in their, might, might have been 20, 20 years old apiece, but they're obviously husband and wife, and they came in together. They were Hispanic, and they could not speak English very well. And so the lady says to them, would you like a free sample of whatever this was? And they didn't really understand what she said. And so they smiled and they they said, no, no. And she said, she says, no, you didn't understand what I said. This is a free sample of whatever this product was. And they smiled and they said, no. Well, what is it about people? They didn't understand her. So she thought if she said it again, but louder, they would understand. And so she begins to talk louder, giving them the free sample. And now they're getting embarrassed. And they said, no, no. And finally, I mean, almost at the top of her lungs, she's shouting at these people. Trying to get them to get the free sample. Can I tell you something? The world does not understand Christianese. And if we start talking Christianese and they don't understand it, we start shouting it at them. They're not going to say yes. You know, I've been in sales a long time. You can't get somebody to change their mind giving them the same old information you've got to give them new information so they can make a new decision. And if we're if we're shouting old religious stuff at people, it will never make a difference. But I'm going to tell you what, if we can love the homosexual, if we can love the drunk, if we can love the drug addict, if we can love people, we can bring them into the kingdom of God. If we can be an example to them, that's what they need to have. What they need to have is the grace the favor of God on their lives that we've learned to live in in our lives. We need to be that kind of Christian and I love that she got to go and share that with those people. They need the good news, not the bad news. Everybody knows they're sinners. Do you realize that? They try every we try every way possible to not be reminded of the fact that we're sinners, but we were sinners. At one point all of us were sinners. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross, He took our sin. He took our shame. And if we will receive by faith the punishment that was put upon Him, we don't have to have the punishment ourselves. And we can have heaven. That's what the world needs to hear. Amen. They can be free of it. Here's our, here's our scripture. The Bible says in, in John 1.16, it says, And of His fullness have we all received And grace for grace. Of His fullness we've all received. And grace for grace. The Amplified is my favorite translation of this verse. For out of His fullness, abundance, we have all received, all had a share, were all supplied with one grace after another, and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, even favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. I have to tell you, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Actually, every time I read a verse, it's one of my favorite ones in the Bible. Except, except that one time, you know, you heard about the guy who, who he decided he would read a verse in the Bible every day, and so he just would open it up and point at it. And he pointed at the one that says, and Judas went and hanged himself. And he thought, that's not a good one. So he said, I'll try it again. He opens it up, points at another one, and it says, go thou and do likewise. Well, so, so not every verse is my favorite verse, but this one is really, really, really one of my favorite verses. All right, so we've been looking at the topic of grace, the topic of favor. We've been looking at it for several weeks. We said this verse is referring to layers of grace, one grace after another. It talks about grace, grace upon grace, favor upon favor. It's layers of it. There's more than just one layer of grace. We've been taught. Growing, when I grew up, I grew up in a denominational church, and I, I understood there was just the grace to get me born again, and that's all there was. But the Bible has a lot more to say about grace than just the new birth. I mean, it's not just limited to the new birth. It's the beginning at the new birth, but we have a lot more. We ought to be going from labor. I mean, from, from layer to layer of grace. There's grace for the new birth. There's grace for healing. Grace to reach our destiny grace for whatever it is that we're facing in our lives there's grace and so we've been talking about that we've just we define grace as unmerited favor this is this is god's favor that we cannot earn it's god it has to be from god god gives the grace we discover that grace comes to us through the channel of faith because the scripture says for by grace are you saved through faith we found out that word saved doesn't mean new birth. It means delivered, rescued, made well, and made whole. We are rescued. We are saved. We're made whole, made well by God's favor that we did not earn. Our job is simply to believe what he said. And we can believe what he says. That comes to us. I told you last week the Lord said, told me, he said, grace is God's power that opens heaven on our behalf. It's His power. When we believe Him, I mean we just become a a, a vessel that can receive the grace that saves us, that delivers us. He told me that, that grace is His enabling force that empowers us to accomplish His will. It's grace that empowers you to do it. It's his favor that goes before you, that comes after you, that's on each side of you, that's above and beneath you. It's that grace that makes it happen. The word grace in the, in the Greek New Testament means favor. And also in the Hebrew Old Testament, the word for grace is favor. We live in favor. All right. Not only do we have favor, but it's God's will for us to have more and more and more of it. God wants you to have his favor got a lot of review, but I'm not going to go into all of it because I want to get to where I want to get to tonight. We know this. We live in the age of grace. It's a good time to be alive, I'm going to tell you that. When I was in Bible school, Bible college, we learned about dispensations. Anybody ever heard that word? Dispensations. There are basically seven dispensations in human history. Dispensation is a period of time whereby God deals with His people in certain ways, or they deal with it. There's a dispensation of innocence. There's a dispensation of conscience, of human government, a dispensation of promise. And and you know this one, the dispensation of the law. All those have already happened. There's one yet to come. It's the dispensation of the millennial kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's when He... He's going to come get us. There'll be the tribulation. Every, there'll be a judgment in for a thousand years. That's that millennial dispensation. Right? But until that comes, we live in the dispensation of grace. We live in what theologians call the age of grace. It's what I call the grace period. You know what a grace period is? It, you know, you, maybe in your mortgage payment. Maybe it's due on the fifth. Alright, but if you pay it before the 15th, it's late after the 5th, but if you pay it before the 15th, they don't charge you the penalty. That's called a grace period. Here's what a grace period is. A grace period is when they do you a favor by not enforcing the penalty. We live in an age where the favor of God comes into our lives and we don't have to pay the penalty for sin because the savior came and he paid the penalty. All right? So, we live in this in this grace period. We live in the age of grace. So, I'm just going to give you in, in just here in just a few minutes here. This age we live in. We've all heard teachings on the last days. And over the years, I've discovered important keys when you talk about prophetic uh Events in the Word of God and, and prophecy concerning what, what goes on in the world. But let me read you a verse of Scripture that the Apostle Peter said is very important. In Second Peter verse 3, chapter 3, verse 8, he says this. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. Now that's an important statement. Don't be ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. He said, now, you've got to know this one thing. This one thing. That with the Lord, a day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is as one day. That's a, that's a pretty powerful scripture when you think about it. With God, a day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is as a day. Think about your loved ones that have gone to heaven. Maybe they went to heaven five years ago, ten years ago, or twenty years ago. In the scheme of a thousand years being as a day, how much time is that in heaven? Not very much. I'm thinking about. I'm thinking Power. about just a few years ago, maybe three years ago. Tammy's dad went to heaven. Well, if, if if we're going to be here for several more years, say we're here for thirty or forty more years, we'll get to heaven, and he'll look at. He watch, and say, it's about time y'all got here. I've been waiting about 15 minutes. <laughs> you see, we think, we think in the wrong way. Eternity is a big thing, and God doesn't operate according to our time. But with him, a thousand years is as a day, and a day is as a thousand years. Now, that scripture is in the context of the promise of his coming. The promise of His coming. God is not slack concerning the promise of Jesus coming. Can I tell you, as sure as we're sitting here, Jesus will come. Amen. Yes. He will come and we will meet Him in the air. Some of us will come out of the grave. Some of us will just leave here. But whichever way it is, I want to go be with Him. He will come. I'm positive, positive of it and he said we're not to be ignorant of this one thing now I want us to think about this in terms of grace a day is as a thousand years a thousand years is as a day so we're going to look at a prophetic double uh, reference and significance regarding the age in which we live thinking about the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11 hello I'm sorry (laughs) I'm sorry this is John chapter 11. Here's what the Bible says. In verse 1, it says, Now, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Now, this is kind of a cool story. They're close friends with Jesus. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And they sent him the messenger and they said, Lord, the one you love is sick. All right? It says, when Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified thereby. Now, I want you to know something. When does God get glory in the story? When he's laying in the tomb? No. The glory comes when he gets resurrected. Okay, these people, and there's another story about sickness and the glory of God. The glory of God came in the sickness when the healing came. Just throwing that out for you. You can chew on it if you want to. Because if you chew on it long enough, you swallow it and it'll be good. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that he saith to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou hither again? And Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the light, he he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things saith he, and after that he saith unto them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of his sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of him taking a rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. All right, let's, 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 let's think about this for a minute. Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick. He already knew that he was dead, but he stayed there for two days. That's insensitive, isn't it? For two days. Now think about it. He was sick. He died, really. And Bethany was 17 miles away from where Jesus was. It took the messenger one whole day to get to Jesus. To say he's sick. Jesus knew he was dead. Jesus stayed there for two days. Then it took Jesus another day to get to where Lazarus was. Four days. He didn't move very fast to get there, did he? Several things are going on here. The Jews believed as long as as long as you were dead for only three days, your spirit hovered around and could come back to you within that three days. Jesus is basically saying, "I'm going to show you something different, boys. I'm going to, I'm the resurrection and I'm the life. That's what he told Martha. So he heard the news. It took him four days. He had been dead for four days. Now think about this: from Adam to Abraham was two thousand years. From Abraham to Jesus was two thousand years. So if a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is a day, from Adam to Jesus is four days. Okay, so I'm, I'm getting somewhere. I hope you can wait for me here. <laughs> Lazarus is a type of mankind who was spiritually dead for four thousand years. Oh, oh. Spiritually dead. Man was dead since Adam. He didn't recognize his death until the law came, but he couldn't do anything about it. He's spiritually dead. When Jesus arrived at the tomb, Jesus is the Word. When the Word arrived, a new age began for all mankind who will receive the Word by faith. Jesus told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. This is a double reference going on here. He basically said, in me through faith is a new age that's now available for all mankind, a life of grace and a resurrection to life. The first order of business in this process was to roll away the stone. Remember the story? He gets there and and he says, roll away the stone. She says, but Lord, he stinks. And he says, roll it away. Okay, they had to roll away the stone. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Have you ever wondered why he said it that way? Because if he had just said, come forth, they had lots of people buried in the tombs. If he had just said, come forth, they'd all come out of there. So he had to narrow it down to this one guy, Lazarus, come forth. Now, they rolled the stone away because the stone represents the law in our story. Okay? The law had kept mankind entombed in spiritual death. He couldn't get out of there. The law revealed the ineptness of man's attempt to keep the law and man's need for a Savior, and the need for grace, since perfection under the law is impossible. It was impossible. Still is impossible to keep the law. It was the Word of God, or as we saw in another teaching, the Word of grace, that was the faith channel that released the grace that brought life once the stone was rolled away. It was that same grace that was released through the Word that brought freedom to the newly enlivened Lazarus. Remember, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he staggers out of there all wrapped up in the grave clothes. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. See, the grave clothes are a type of religious bondage. Sadly, there are a lot of people who are alive in Christ, but wound up and bound up in religion. They think that it's the tradition of, that makes them holy. The tradition that, that sanctifies them. We have so many rules in Christendom that it's amazing to me. I mean, we have... The Jewish people used to have what they, what, what they called fence laws. Have you ever heard of a fence law? Well, the, the fence law was this. Thou shalt take, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Well, so they said, oh, we can't take the name of the Lord in vain. Okay, well then, maybe we shouldn't even say the name of the Lord in case we take it in vain. He didn't tell him not to say his name. He said, don't take it in vain. that has got to be kind of like in in Christians saying, don't go to the movies. That's a a rule. Don't go to the movies. And then you say, well, you know what? If we're not supposed to go to the movies, we better not even go on the street where the movie theater is. We have so many dumb rules in church. Religion that we think is going to set us free, those are grave clothes. And Jesus would say to us, Loose him and let him go. Then there's grace because they loosed him. Now think about this. It was the end of the 4,000th year, the fourth day that the age of grace was revealed in the earth and released in the earth through Jesus Christ. When Jesus came and when he died, the age of grace came to all mankind. That is the age of grace. That is the grace period that we live in. We know by prophetic utterance in the scripture that God's lease on the earth to man is going to be about 6,000 years. 4,000, the first 4,000 were death. The last two days are the age of grace. The only way, listen, the only way to get out of grace is to go back into the law go back into religion. Go back into the old way. the, The religious way. Galatians 5 verse 4 says this. It says Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law. You are fallen from grace. He's not talking about salvation. He's not talking about the new birth here. He's referring to the fact that believers are trying to achieve righteousness by doing things for God. By being religious for God. He's talking about that takes you away from grace because now you're trying to earn something from God. Remember last time we talked about those guys who went to the field and the first people had a contract and everybody else had grace. We want to be those guys who had grace. You can either have grace or you can have the judgment of the law. We want the grace. We're saved by grace. It's the age of grace. We should be living in more and more grace. We should have more layers of grace. We live in this age of grace where the grace of God is being poured out and poured out and poured out. And we simply have to believe God. Believe what he said. The scripture says, but he giveth more grace. More grace. There's more to be had. We can have more grace. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight that we live in the grace period. We thank you tonight, God, that we have your favor that exempts us from the punishment or the penalty of sin. We thank you tonight that the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Lord, that we've been forgiven, we've been justified, we've been sanctified, we've been made right with you by precious blood. We thank you tonight that our choice is simply to believe that what you've said is true. We believe there's more grace. Lord, I thank you there's grace for healing in this room. Grace for it. We tap into the channel of that grace now by believing you in Jesus' name.